Hello, and welcome to Beyond Prospecting, the Apper podcast, featuring thought-provoking conversations with prospect development and fundraising experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest Apper podcast. It's the third installment of the Ethics series. Today's podcast is Ethics and Relationship Management. It's complicated. Uh, my name is Gareth Griffin. I'm the Director of Prospect Development at MIT, and I'm Chair of APRA's Ethics and Compliance Committee. I have some amazing people joining me t- today. Uh, they are leaders in our industry who are all part of APRA's virtual learning event, Plug-In to Relationship Management, and that will take place on November 1st and 2nd. This event is perfect for professionals of all levels to hone their relationship management skills without the need to travel or the costs associated with travel. This is your chance to gather your teams or just yourself for two and a half days of interactive education and networking. Please check out the APRA homepage for more information about plug-in uh, to relationship management and registration information. I would also like to thank Blackbaud Target Analytics for being the exclusive sponsor of today's podcast. Target Analytics is the data and analytics arm of BlackBaud, the leading cloud technology partner for social good organizations. BlackBaud Target Analytics provides data-driven solutions for every stage of the donor lifecycle, with decades of experience helping nonprofit organizations enhance their constituent databases, identify and understand their best practices, assess program performance, and optimize fundraising efficiency. They've been a proud sponsor of APRA for over a decade, and we would like to thank them for their continued support of APRA. So joining me today are some amazing folks. I would like to welcome Melissa Banks-Stepno, Director of Client Services for BlackBot Target Analytics and APRA board member. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Gareth. Thanks for Uh, having me. Thank you. I'd also like to welcome Andalyn Hackney, Director of Prospect Management and Research at UC San Diego and a speaker at this year's Plug-In to Relationship Management event. Hey, Andalyn. Hey, Gareth. Uh, and last but definitely not least, we have Jana Holm, Director of Prospect Development for the Trust for Public Land and this year's Plug-In to Relationship Management Chair. Hey, Jana. Hi, Gareth. Thank you all so much for for joining me today and talking about you know, super exciting topic of ethics. Uh, So I have a few questions to prompt the conversation this morning. Uh, And Jana, I'm gonna throw the first question to start it off to you. What do you see are the biggest ethical dilemmas in relationship management? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, The first thing that springs to my mind is thinking about how we handle you know, making prospect assignments to our relationship managers and how we do that equitably and avoid disputes. Um, I know when I worked at Johns Hopkins before this, we had uh, a major issue arise where we had 25 different fundraising staff from four different departments that were all trying to work with the same alumni population. You know, we had two undergraduate schools, we had a regional team, we had our class reunion program, and we were finding some donors that were, you know, getting contacts from four different fundraising staff or were getting really exhausted by being, you know, tapped so many times by all these different staff members and we were all stepping on each other's toes. And so as a prospect management department, we came in to kind of create quote unquote lanes in the pool and and kind of build out 
where everybody should be working so that we weren't overlapping our efforts or you know tapping a particular donor or prospect or alumni too frequently but really trying to balance all of that so that everybody had a strong portfolio and a decent pipeline at the same time so trying to balance some of those needs around how you equitably and fairly make assignments is the first thing that comes to my mind Awesome. Melissa, are there any big ethical dilemmas that you're seeing? Yeah, I'm going to take a slightly different perspective on this question. Being I am the vendor partner sponsor uh, representative on the phone today, I think what really rings true for me with this question is a comment on partnering with outside firms or outsourcing uh, any of your relationship management type efforts within an organization. And in fact, this is probably an ethical consideration for all of prospect development, not just relationship management. But uh, it's really important that if an organization chooses to partner with an external firm or a consultant, that you assure that those um, partners are adhering to the ethics and privacy practices that your organization is comfortable with. For instance, all technology companies should have documentation in place that they could provide you related to their privacy and security standards things like how they adhere to HIPAA and FERPA and GDPR, and there's new legislation coming out in California next year related to privacy. And even independent contractors and consultants should be able to provide you with their confidentiality policies or similar types of documents. And if not, they should be required to sign yours, whatever you use internally at your organization. Um, even simple things like not sharing PII, personal identifying information via email and using FTP sites instead, or assuring web-based technologies are hosted on secure servers can go a really long way to make sure that we are being ethical in how we treat our, um, our donors and our prospects' data and information appropriately. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Angeline, do you have any other ethical dilemmas that you're thinking about? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to um, parlay right off what Melissa was saying, because that's an external focus. And then when you turn internally, so one of our challenges ongoing, and it's, it's part education and just part practice is that we, we have to scrub all of our contact reports. Uh, at any given time, we'll have about 250 contact reports that have leaked through um, P, 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 I, PHI information in some fashion and it it's it's manual effort to update and even though we educate and we give great metaphors we're still constantly fighting this battle of why you don't put in a diagnosis in a contact report why that's so important so it's an ongoing effort and mostly about education to be honest awesome so the first topic that was brought up was assignments uh and sort of treating them equitably among fundraisers. So, Melissa, how would you suggest people balance the competing priorities of the needs of the donor, the organization, and the fundraiser when making assignments? It's a really great question, and I can appreciate Jana's analogy of having liens in a pool to, to assure that there aren't overlapping efforts and things are equitable and fair. Uh, in, in my opinion, the prospect development prospect management, excuse me, effort um, really needs to be managed by some type of neutral party and have top-down buy-in from leadership within your organization. I think the top-down buy-in is critical 
to assure that everyone's on the same page as what the expectations are across the organization and that leadership is on board. And my neutral party um, comment has to do with trying to take away some of the competitiveness and um, personal feelings and emotion and wanting to keep the prospect because they make really good sweet tea when you go visit them and you're from the north and you like sweet tea and the prospects in the south and all of the crazy reasons why gift officers want to hold on to their prospects. I know that was a silly example. Um, so having someone neutral involved, I think, really helps helps the effort. But then what I would say further than that is as much as we want to build lanes in the pool, the most successful organizations that I have seen have considered those lanes, but also taken into consideration what common sense factors might play a role and who the best relationship manager for a given prospect might be. Things that might not really um, come across as being obvious right away. So you have a gift officer that's responsible for the law school and you have a, a, an alum from the School of Social Work, but they both come from the same random hometown that's 2,000 miles away, or they both root for the same sports team or something that just will help build a relationship. It is relationship management after all between the gift officer and the donor can sometimes be really important and looking at the bigger picture. So I'll just give you one specific example and then I'm curious what um, Jana and Angelin have on this topic as well. So I worked for a higher ed institution once uh, as a consultant and they had two prospects that were being cultivated by two different gift officers from two different schools. I'm sure this sounds very common to any of our listeners who work for multifaceted organizations, even if it's outside of higher ed. So I'm going to change the details a little bit to protect the innocent. But so they had a major gift officer for the law school cultivating the law school alum. They had major gift officer from the business school cultivating the business school alum. The two were brothers, not the gift officers, the prospects. So the law alum and the business alum were, were brothers. And each gift officer was going after a five-figure ask for individually the law school and the business school. Uh, the VP of the department got wind of, of the fact that the two alums were brothers and sort of pulled back a little bit and said, wait a minute, let's talk about this from a family perspective rather than an individual perspective. And they met, the VP brought both gift officers in sat down, met with them, and had a really thorough strategy conversation about what the family could do for the university as a whole, leveraging not just the law school alum and the business school alum's dollars, but also a family foundation that was run by the patriarchs, so the father of the family. And what was going to originally be two five-figure asks turned into a seven-figure proposal that was funded and included both what the law school and the business school were going after and a whole bunch more just because they took that time to think about the priorities of the, the entire institution um, and what might, what, what might make sense from the family from a more holistic perspective. So I just think that's a really good example of not always staying so in your lane that you don't think about the larger picture and the larger impact while still creating lanes that you could adhere to for general organization and day-to-day -day operating. Jana, so how did y'all establish the relationships or the lanes? <laughs> um, good question. So what we did was we sat down and pulled a bunch of data and started proposing different scenarios and looking at what our portfolios and pipeline would look like under different scenarios. So what would happen if we gave our undergrad alumni schools these prospects, but not those? And what would happen if 
we set the cutoff for capacity that our reunion class managed versus the major gift officers at this. And so what we did, and I talked about this at my APRA presentation this year during Prospect Development 2018, was really building out what all the different scenarios would look like and then sharing them with leadership so that they were partners in making some of those decisions. Um, and I think what Melissa said is really um, important that we are, are consistent in what we're, you know, dealing with and what we're putting out there, but also allowing for any special circumstances. I just think it's really important to provide transparency around those special circumstances too, because, you know, there's always going to be a case where a particular relationship manager should be working with a particular prospect, whether that's you know, their love of sweet tea or their hometown or a place that they visit regularly to see family. Um, but I think being really transparent about when that's happening and why so that staff that aren't allowed to keep prospects or aren't given the same opportunities in their pipeline know how, why and how those decisions were made is really important too. I wish you I, could see my head shaking right now. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Definitely agree. So that's interesting. Like we're looking at sort of the assignment process as a whole. How do we handle that uh, from the relationship manager perspective? Now, sort of flipping the script a little bit. What about cases where you have some uh, controversial prospects? Like, should we assign those? You know, what if they've been indicted or convicted, or might be a um, a personality that causes division among people. Um, how do you handle those assignments? Do you assign them? Andalyn, I know y'all been doing a lot of work with that. Like, what do you? How do you handle controversial prospect assignments? Yeah, we we um, unfortunately have gone through a spate of many vetting vetting prospects that have come through the chancellor's office or to a development officer that want to give us a lot of money and it turns out they can't and are potentially a liability to the university. So we've gone many, many years of trying to figure this out for our development officers. And one of the things that we do employ as a technique is a pop-up in our um, Blackboard, actually, CRM, which is so fantastic because it, it immediately tells anybody who opens the record that there is a problem. And it won't say exactly what. It'll just say this person is not a prospect. And we also have a way of inactivating people. We can disqualify them. We do like about four steps to get them out of any kind of pool at all. Um, we put solicit codes on them that are stringent. And then um, the pop-up, which has a, a lovely phrase, which I say over and over again, which is that this prospect is a liability for the university. And usually we have a note that says, see our paper documentation or see this interaction, because that's where you'll find out why, the why, but we won't put it in solid words. We'll just say, please see this note. Um, and then we developed a training. So we try to get in front of development officers on their very first couple of weeks to say, these are things that you should look out for. These are the red flags. Like they have no assets. They're in a hurry. They want to give us a lot of money, like $150 million, and you don't know them. Those kinds of flags are easy to see, and they can call us right away, and we'll, we'll go into overdrive to figure out if they can really give $150 million. So that's what we do. Jana, what are, did y'all have any strategies either at Hopkins or Charles for Public Land? 
Um, you know, I think a lot of what Andalyn said is pretty relevant to what we were doing at Johns Hopkins as well. Um, I just wanted to chime in that I think one of the other sticky areas is around uh, corporate prospects, especially mm -hmm. if they're trying to build a partnership or a sponsorship or funding particular research. And we've gotten into some uh, troublesome areas around what we're providing in exchange for a corporate sponsorship or partnership. So um, my team's really careful to do as much due diligence as possible and kind of provide all of that information to everyone relevant in the organization, whether that's the leadership and development or whether that's our legal team um, before our relationship managers move forward on some of those uh, sticky corporate donors as well. Melissa, what about you? How do you handle the assignments? You know, I'm a little bit further removed from this one, so I don't think I have anything to add other than what Andalyn and John already talked about. Awesome. So sort of taking a step back, looking into your crystal ball, uh, what do y'all see as the next big ethical challenge for relationship management or even prospect development in general? Sort of what are you seeing on the horizon? Uh, anybody want to step in? Well, this is Melissa. Since I just gracefully passed in the last question, <laughs> I'll start off on this one. And I actually think in some ways it brings us back to the beginning of our conversation and some of um, John's comments and my comments on the biggest challenges today. I see data privacy and the availability of information going forward being one of our biggest challenges. I think there's a heightened awareness certainly globally and even within the United States about what type of data is available um, for any purpose, not just prospect research and prospect development. Um, the, the regulations that have existed for years like FERPA and HIPAA are just becoming more and more common names. And then we have new regulations coming in place like um, like uh, the GDPR that I mentioned earlier. And as I said, I, I frankly don't know a ton about it, but I do know that there's new legislation coming out in California that's going to be regulating policy, uh, privacy. And I just have this crystal ball sense that we're going to see more and more of these uh, privacy regulations creep up, whether it be at the state level or at the national level, or maybe even other countries like the UK has already done. Um, so the way in which we've accessed information in the past may have to change in, in the future. Um, we may find ourselves in a situation where we have ethical access to fewer da data points than we have historically, um, particularly with the information age and the internet the way that it has been. It's really opened up the breadth of data that we've been able to accumulate over the past 10 or 15 years. and. Um, at some point, there there might be a retreat to that, and that's something that we're going to have to make sure that we adhere to in in our field, but also in our sort of uh, micro part of our field, but also make sure that the gift officers and leadership and others within our advancement and development offices are aware of and adhering to as well, because um, we're probably going to be the ones closest to understanding what those regulations are and and how our organizations can or cannot use specific type of types of data points. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Jana and Andalyn, do y'all have anything to add for your crystal ball? 
this is Andalyn, and I can say, you know, jumping off from where you were, Melissa, is that when you add the dilemma and the the new tool of AI into the mix, which will be really impacting our business in the next five to ten years, then you have this whole. So we have safeguards that we as humans try to work into our day to day, and then we'll have to work that into whatever tools come down the way that will be impacting our donors. So it's it's going to be a very interesting time for us in the next five years, I think. I totally agree. Jana, yeah, do you have anything to add? This is Jana. Um, I, I agree with all of that. And I think, you know, as we see growing issues with data privacy and moving more towards AI, there's still really a benefit in having that human element to things, being that voice of fairness and kind of the objective voice in decision-making and policy setting and metrics setting. Um, you know, data can do a lot of things, but I think a lot of our colleagues on the front line um, aren't, aren't as savvy with data as our teams might be. And so really figuring out how to move from working with data to interpreting, sharing, and educating others on how we're using data is going to be increasingly important in time. I totally agree. And for those folks that are looking for resources, you should really check out APRA's homepage, the ethics uh, section for the APRA Statement of Ethics, as well as the Ethics Toolkit. The toolkit has a, an amazing long list of resources uh, and links uh, for cover all of these different topics, data privacy, data protection, what are the best practices, all that kind of stuff. So we highly recommend folks check out the, app, the ethics toolkit on the APRA website for more resources. Uh, and Angelin, today we, we focused on relationship management and ethics, uh, but with plug-in coming up on relationship management, can you tell us a little bit about what, what your presentation is going to be? Yeah, I am really excited. We are um, getting to partner with Brock Sylvie at, Nor Sylvie at Northwestern University, and it's called the Strategy Radio Hour. And Brock and I have probably had two fantastic conversations two hours long, we could talk for hours on this particular subject of the how and the why and the how-to types of strategy meetings that people have in relationship management. So um, we're super excited. We have a really great um, sort of uh, lineup of discussion points, and uh, we can't wait. And awesome. Gareth, are you doing plug-in? You're doing plug-in too, right? I am. I'm doing the very exciting topic of prospect management policy development and implementation, where it goes into sort of how to create that big framework of relationship management, uh, which I find completely enjoyable and totally nerding out. Uh, and I know that there are others in our profession that are also big nerds for that too. Uh, Jana, why would you suggest somebody who's sign up for a plugin and what are they gonna get out of the experience? Well, I am so excited to plug uh, to chair plug in this year um, because I think we have lined up such a great group of speakers and presenters and panelists for the two days of webinars that we're doing. Um, this is such a good opportunity. I have worked in small shops before that have had very little budget for professional development, and this is a really affordable way to get kind of that conference atmosphere, but without even needing to leave your desk to travel, to pay for flights or hotels. Um, so I really love the affordability of plug-in. Um, we've also set up just 
a really fantastic lineup of speakers, uh, two of my my moderator and fellow panelists here included. Um, but we've got great things that I think will be relevant to all sorts of different prospect development professionals, whether you've been doing prospect management for a decade or longer, whether you're brand new to this world, whether you're a researcher who's just kind of starting to step foot into the prospect management realm, I think we cover a lot of topics that kind of span from beginner to much more advanced. Um, we've also got a really good mix of higher ed and healthcare and cause-based organizations. So I think everyone will find something that'll be a really good fit for them at Plugin this year. And I'm excited to be hosting it on November 1st and 2nd. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you all so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Again, I'd like to thank Blackbaugh Target Analytics for the continued support of APRA's educational programming. As a reminder, if you have any questions about ethics and compliance, please do check out the Ethics Toolkit on the APRA homepage. We really hope we can see, I'm doing air quotes, see everyone at Plug In to Relationship Management on November 1st and 2nd. And for any questions, visit APRA's website about the event and for registration information. Again, thank you all so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Prospecting, the APRA podcast. To discover all that APRA has to offer, visit aprahome.org. For links to content featured in this episode, check out the show notes. If you like the show and want to help others find us, please subscribe to and rate us on iTunes. Until next time.